Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for August 21st. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter for everything at ETOF 21. On Instagram, everything sports betting. You guys want to become part of the sports betting team? Hit me up there at ETOF 21 Sports underscore. Everything fantasy football at ETOF 21 Sports underscore fantasy. And for everything horse racing on Instagram at ETOF 21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. Can we believe it is already August 21st and the college football NFL season is right around the corner? Guys, just a free reminder. All my picks are free right now leading up to football because the volume goes down dramatically. And I'm not going to be charging you money, unlike some people, when I'm not making plays. So like I said, everything's going to start up as soon as college football starts up. Really excited for this football season, especially NFL. Big announcement that Gino and I made on his podcast. Thanks for Gino for having me on every single week talking NBA, NFL. Last week we talked fantasy. Gino and I are going to be doing a live show every single Sunday during the NFL season. We're going to be talking about line movement, bets we like, fantasy football. I can't wait. Really looking forward to that. Also, thank you for Gino for having me on. Like I said, guys, the fantasy football draft guide is live, twelve ninety nine. Everything you need, anything you want to become a successful fantasy football player. I have positional rankings, offensive breakdowns, offensive line rankings, handcuff grid, by grid. I have a draft plan. So that way I go round by round. I tell you how to draft a team. Because here's what's happened. I get so many questions about these guys that all draft wide receivers. And they're like, who do I start? Wide receiver 28 or 29? Every single week, that's what I open up my messages to. I'm going to teach you how to build your team properly so that way you don't have these questions. I'm going to show you what I do. And guys, I have won at DFS. I've won in season long. So I'm a proven winner. And it's going to open up into my thought process when I go drafting a team. So for anyone that's a fantasy football player, it is a must-buy Everyone that's bought it has nothing but positive things to say. So if you're interested in that, hit me up at etoff21sports on Twitter or Instagram through the DMs, and we will start your process. If you're interested in a sports betting membership, same thing. Hit me up there, and we'll start your process. We have a loaded weekend of sports. We have great horse racing across the country. Xfinity race today, NASCAR race tomorrow. Brandon O will be coming on later. We'll be doing our picks for Michigan. We have MLB, EPL, NFL preseason. Guys, let's crush this weekend. It's been a great month of August so far, and let's look to continue it. So the big news yesterday that happened, I want to jump into this before we jump into the show. CM Punk, after seven years plus, finally returned to a wrestling ring, and the Chicago crowd was electric. The show opened, AW Rampage, Everyone chanting his name. The cult of personality plays. He comes out. He's walking to the ringside, high-fiving everyone. At one point, he jumped into the stands. You could tell by his facial expression, he was ecstatic to be back. I really wish in his promo, he didn't take as many jabs on the WWE as he did. I also liked, however, that at the end of his promo... He said, you can get an ice cream sandwich on me when you leave. And sure enough, there were ice cream sandwiches when you left the United Center. So I was excited to see him back. I think 
it's going to be a shot in the arm to AEW, but they have all the momentum in the world. They just signed him. They just signed Daniel Bryan. They'll probably sign Bray Wyatt. Guys, I'm telling you, AEW is going to overtake WWE, and it's just a matter of time. But let's jump into the show. Like I said, we have a great show today. Sterling is going to come on. We're going to talk a little NFC, and Brandon's going to come on. We're going to talk a little NASCAR. So let's jump right into it, guys. So last week, Sterling, a.k.a. Silver Star Sports from Instagram and Twitter, him and I preview the AFC this week. He's coming on, and we're going to preview the NFC. Sterling, how you doing, my man? Doing good. It's another great day to talk about football. We tackled the AFC the other day, and looking forward to tackling the NFC today. It's kind of funny. Like, I just, I I fucking can't wait, dude. You know what I mean? It's like I'm a fucking, I don't even know the word I'm try- I can describe, but... It's like I'm a little kid waiting for Christmas, and it just can't, it can't get here soon enough. I was looking, I know, it's crazy. It's, for so long, it just seemed like it was just in the distance far away, but now I've got like an official countdown calendar going down, and it's, it's coming, it's coming. And I am scheduling my dates around preseason football. Believe it or not, like, I am scheduling my dates around preseason football. That's how much I'm craving football, as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> um... Which is just mind-boggling to me, and hopefully the new, the new flavor of the week. She's not listening, and here's that. But let's let's jump right in. We're going to start with the uh, NFC East. The first team we're going to talk about is America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Super Bowl, they're thirty to one to win the NFC. They're fifteen to one. NFC East, they're plus one thirty-five. Their over/under is set at nine. Talk to me about the Cowboys, my friend. So the Cowboys last year were one of those teams that I was super high on because everyone saw it. Everyone in America saw the talent that they had. And for a couple games with Dak, they looked good, but that defense looked terrible. And you can't really tell me that anything's going to be different this year. That defense is still pitiful. Um, they thought they could patch it up with Dan Quinn, who wasn't a defensive mastermind in Atlanta, so I don't understand what that was. Mike McCarthy's still in charge. The defensive line has a ton of questions as well as the secondary. Uh, but that offense will be pretty good, and obviously it's going to carry them to a lot of wins. They have the most talent in this division, and this division is wide open, so they could win it. But until they get the defense fixed and until Mike McCarthy can prove he's a good coach in 2021, I'm not too sure about the Cowboys. To me, the Cowboys season comes down to three factors. Factor number one. How will Prescott step into his throws? Will he step in hesitant that he doesn't want to re-injure his leg? Or will he step in with confidence? Because historically speaking, anytime a quarterback has a significant leg injury, that first year back they're always hesitant about re-injuring it. So that's a big that's a big question mark for me. Question mark number two. Offensive line was so injured last year. They were beat to shit. Uh, Smith missed the whole year. Um, Martin missed six games. They just don't have the depth, so they can't afford to be losing key pieces for significant amounts of time. And that hurt everyone, especially Zeke and especially Dalton when he was the backup. Also, will the young DBs develop? I mean, they have three good young guys, but they need to take that step forward. Are they going to take that step forward, or is this defense just going to be giving up routinely 35 to 42 points a week and it's up to the offense to outscore to me that like i those are my three questions and i really don't know the answer to it you know what i mean like 
it's there's a lot of questions around this team. I guess that's what I'm saying. In terms of fantasy, I really think Michael Gallup is a sleeper. Here's an interesting stat. Michael Gallup was second in the NFL in routes ran last year, but he was third in the NFL in terms of uncatchable balls. So that means he's running a lot of routes in the McCarthy offense, but he just had a lot of balls thrown his way that were uncatchable. If Dad can step into his throw with confidence, I think Gallup's in line for a good season when everyone's looking at CeeDee Lamb. Before we move on a little bit, what are your thoughts on Dad? Do you think he performs like a top 10 QB this year? I've never, I've never been a dad guy. I'm just going to say it. I don't think – I mean, I don't think he's a top-tier quarterback that elevates talent. Two years ago, I could make an argument that Dallas had the most talent in the league, and the only position that was holding him back was the quarterback position. I don't think Dak's the guy that you can win a title with. What do you think about Dak? I think Dak is – He's such an interesting story because he seemed for a while that everybody was rooting for him um, to come back from industry. Or, well, he was on the rookie contract, uh, late draft pick. Everyone wanted him to succeed, but then now his public perception that he or he's kind of become overrated in a way. Uh, people I've seen him on some like top five lists or just knocking on the door top five lists. I've never really seen Dak in that light. He's still a good quarterback. Personally, I think if everything was right went right with the Cowboys, then Dak is a Super Bowl caliber QB. But this team has too many roster holes to even consider Super Bowl talks for them. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I more have more questions about the defense. I know this offense is going to come to play though, as long as the offensive line can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, this team has so many questions. And let's be honest, I'm not a big Mike McCarthy guy. I don't think you're a big Mike McCarthy guy. So I think this team, I think they win nine games. They finish third in the East. How about you? I put them at eight and nine, uh, tied for first. They lose the tiebreaker, and we'll get into that team later. Okay. All right. Um, Next, let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles. They are 101 to win the Super Bowl, 40 to 1 to win the NFC, uh, four and a half to one to win the NFC East, and over 106 and a half. Talk to me about Philly, buddy. The main question is, what are, what are we going to get from Jalen Hurts? Is he going to look like a young star at QB, or is he going to look like uh, a late-round pick that's just in there as a Band-Aid? Um, feeling their offensive line was also injured last year, so they'll get a lot of those guys back. And one thing I can say about Philly is they'll be really good in the trenches. Both their offensive line and defensive line will be spectacular. And um, we know that football is one of the trenches, but this they've had – questions about the perimeter of their team for a while those receivers in that secondary that corner room um, and those are still question marks I don't know if Devonta Smith is going to be able to come in and be the elite level receiver that they've been wanting uh, since Alshon Jeffrey hasn't been playing well um, right now I currently have them at 6-11 and 11. I'm, there's just too many question marks with this team I don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to give you on a week to week basis sometimes he looks promising sometimes he can't hit the broadside out of barn. Um, yeah, so that's how I feel about the Eagles. Six and eleven could be better, could be worse. You, you, you could convince me that they win the division, but I just don't see it right now. Obviously, the first thing is their offensive line was beat to shit last year. They had more injuries than the Cowboys, believe it or not, and that was their big issue. And the thing is, is as 
NFL analysts, fantasy players, the sports bettors, people's number one issue that I feel that you and I don't do is we relate people to other people. People see Jalen Hurts come in, he he can run and he can throw, and they start comparing him to Lamar and Kyle Murray. Let's just pump the brakes. He's not as fast as either one of them. He doesn't have the arm strength as either one of them, and he's not as accurate as either one of them. The reason he succeeded last year when Carson Wentz didn't is because that offensive line was so beat to shit and so bad, you needed someone that could move, and Wentz can't move. Hurts can't. That's why there was some sort of success with the offense, but it wasn't like it was like world-beater success. He, Like you said, he can't hit a broadside of the barn. There was a reason he was benched in Alabama, and he had to transfer to get playing time. And there was a reason when he was drafted in the second round, everyone was bad-mouthing the Eagles. We can't make this kid out to be something that he's not. And the fact that the Eagles are actively pursuing Deshaun Watson kind of tells you what the Eagles think of him. That he is kind of, like you said, a band-aid, a stopgap, if you will. In terms of Devontae Smith, um, when can I do my victory lap about him being too small to stay healthy for a whole regular season? Because he already has a a leg injury. Is it too early for me to do my victory lap for that, or do I have to pump the brakes a little bit? I'll let Eagles fans uh, decide for you in the comments. Because here's the thing. I told all you guys, this guy is too small. If if this guy weighs, if I can if I can curl more than you weigh, you're too small to play a wide receiver in the NFL. That's just the facts of life. And you look at AJ Brown and Julio Jones, like I said, those guys are built like freight trains, and those guys are always banged up. You're telling me Devontae Smith, like soaking wet, is 175 pounds, is gonna be able to last through an NFL season? Come on, guys. And I also feel all their wide receivers are basically the same. Just fast field stretchers. Like, who's their chain mover out of the group? Who's their Cortland side? Do they even have one? I don't think they have a true wide receiver number one. Do you? No, it's been really confusing because Jalen Rieger, deep threat. Um, Quez Watkins, deep threat. Um, they got more Travis Fulgham, deep threat. It's just been like, you got to diversify your wide receiver court. And Howie Roseman has not done that over the past couple of years. And on top of that, you hit on the head. Their back four sucks. I mean, honestly, I feel like you could line up on one side, I can line up on the other side, and we could each have 100 yards against the secondary. I mean, they're just awful. And unless the DC, who I'm spacing on his name, unless he comes in and he's able to develop this defense, I think they're really going to struggle. I struggled to get them six wins. I have them six at 11. I think it's going to be a long season in Philadelphia, and it wouldn't surprise me if they actually only win three. I mean, if you told me they won three, I could see it. If you told me they won more than six, I can't see that at all. Yeah, I have them at six and 11 as well. Uh, while we're still here, I know this is your fantasy football draft guy. You have Miles Sanders pretty low. You want to talk about him for a second? This is why I have Miles Sanders low, is because I really feel that he can get the ball 20 times a game. But the head coach who Savino believes in a third down back. And until they realize that Sanders should be playing all three downs, he's going to be very limited on what he can do in in a standard PPR, half-point PPR, because he's not going to be on there in third downs. And if he is, quote-unquote, not the third down back or the pass-catching back, I see this team behind in a lot of games, 
he's not going to be on the field. So that's why I'm hesitant to put Miles Sanders out there. I Believe it or not, I think Sanders is just as talented as Saquon Barkley. I just don't feel he gets as many opportunities. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like he's one of the most poorly managed um, talents in the NFL. I feel like, like you said, he has that talent. It's just never been displayed with the Eagles and their organization. Um, they'll throw in running backs on third down that are clearly worse. Um, they just haven't given him a chance to show his receiving capabilities out the backfield. And that's kind of funny. I, I'm good friends with this guy, Ben, who he helped coach Corey Clement when Clement was a youngster. And he, like a couple, was it last year or the year before, he was like, dude, I can't believe that my boy Clement is getting reps with Sanders on the bench. Like, he was basically bashing Doug Peterson, how the kid he coached, who he knew isn't as good as Miles Sanders, is on the field and Miles Sanders in it. It was kind of a little funny funny back and forth. Now, let's go to Big Blue Nation. This is your team. I really hope you're rocking the old school Eli jersey right now when we're talking. The New York Football Giants. You see, I need a new Giants jersey as we're talking right now. I'm currently rocking Odell Beckham. Uh, blue one so I need to update that I get a Saquon jersey um, this team I'm not as quite, quite as high as you are maybe I'm a pessimistic fan but I really do love what Joe Jess has done in creating that blue collar mentality um, with so many New York teams there's like a sense of entitlement and he's just completely rid that culture um, so I really love what he's doing there the secondary it's young it's promising there's a lot of good pieces um, I also like the wide receiver core um, with Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, um, there's just a lot of weapons for Daniel Jones. There's no excuse for Daniel Jones to be um, so pedestrian this year. But as anything, there is a lot of question marks. Daniel Jones, you don't know what you're getting from a week to week basis. Some days he looks very good, and that six pick was warranted. Then other days he just doesn't look like the answer. He looks like a, a backup QB out there. Um, there's also issues with the pass rush. Um, Leonard Williams is a good pass rusher on the interior, but on the uh, outside, we got a lot of young guys there, and I don't know if they're going to be able to get to the quarterback consistently, at least this year. And then our O-line's young. Um, Andrew Thomas, he was my boy coming out last year. He struggled in his rookie year. I fully expect him to take a step up this year, but the offensive line as a whole is pretty young. I don't know what they're going to get from them. Um, So ultimately, I have them at 8-9. and I have them winning the division at 8-9, and nine, but um, I'm not completely sold on the Giants yet. The Giants are 80-1 to one to win the Super Bowl, 40-1 to one to win the NFC, 4.5-1 to one to win the North, over-under 7 wins. You look at this team. Now, you talked about giving Daniel Jones all the talent. Let's just take a step back and listen to this talent on the offensive end, my friend. Sterling Shepard, Kenny Dolliday, John Ross, uh, Tony, the kid out of Florida. Uh, Slayton, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, and Saquon Barkley. Dude, that's an insane amount of talent that you're surrounding a young quarterback with. Uh, offensive line, I really feel they greatly missed Solder last year, who, st- who skipped the season because of COVID-19 concerns because of the health of his kid, which I totally get and I respect, but the team missed him, and he's coming back this year. Their offensive line, they've drafted a lot of young guys who just haven't developed. And this is the year they need to develop. And I really think they are going to develop. Um, 
Here's a little startling stat, stat for all you fantasy football players. There were three tight ends that had games of where they saw... Uh, there were three tight ends who had six games or more where they saw six tight six targets or more. Can you name who the three tight ends are? Well, I'm assuming you're going to mention Evan Ingram, even though he probably dropped those targets. Um, Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Uh, Kelsey, Waller, and Ingram. Ingram's a focal point of this offense. It, it, the Garrett offense, the tight end's a pivotal position. Ingram is being drafted right now in the 13th round, guys. You can get him in insanely low value, and he's going to get targets, and he's consistent, and he has the same OC. So I definitely like him. In terms of defense, now, I remember you and I doing our I – don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm doing, like, victory laps – first two teams we're talking about but remember the time when you and i talked and i was just hyping you james bradley how good bradbury how good he was i mean you really were dude he, he balled out man this is like cake work to him hanging out in the nfc east and the last six weeks of the season this defensive unit was a top 10 unit man i think this is totally going to carry over i think judge has him going in the right direction if Daniel Jones can take that next step with all this talent around him, I think this team is winning 10 games. I actually, believe it or not, I'll give away a free pick for everybody. I actually bet the over seven. I really like this Giants team this year. I'm going to have them in the wild card game losing the first round. But I think they take a huge step forward and start restoring some of that big blue pride. So what about Daniel Jones? How do you feel about him? I like him because he steps into his throws. He throws with confidence he throws a stern ball i really think that um his reads are good and he's not afraid of the moment some of these guys are scared to throw because it'll get picked off he gives two shits he'll step in he'll throw it and he doesn't throw off his back foot i want someone to step in and throw and throw with confidence not someone who's kind of like off his back foot and kind of floating stuff in there and i don't think he's a guy that is going to be a top five quarterback in the league, but he could be an Eli Manning type, as crazy as it sounds. I never thought Eli was top five in the league, but I thought Eli was top ten in the league. I, can think, I see Daniel Jones as his ceiling as, like, top 15, which is fine. You can live with that. I would but, rather have Daniel Jones than Baker Mayfield. Wow, well, I don't know about that one, but... Uh... Just because I feel with Daniel Jones, you can do RPOs, you can run, and I can trust him to throw the ball, and I can't trust Baker to throw the ball. Before we move on from the Giants, I definitely want to mention Saquon Barkley. Um, he's been hurt year after year. Um, and whether it's like poor run blocking or his inability to like turn up field, I've noticed with Saquon Barkley, he hates getting two-yard gains. He's always trying to hit that home run. And I feel like the Giants as a whole, they haven't really maximized his potential within the scheme. Um, he would be elite in one of those outside zone running schemes like Tennessee or San Francisco. Um, I think the Giants need to transition to more of a zone blocking scheme. Now, the one thing that worries me about Saquon is I'm just remembering when Adrian Peterson tore his ACL. And you saw all these videos of him just like running stairs, lifting weights running with 45, like, dragging 45-pound plates. I don't see anything with that with Barkley at all. You know what I mean? That's my one concern. Like, 
how recovered is he actually? You know what I mean? Like, how good is that knee? I'm a little concerned about him. I think I had him at six, seven-ish in my overall rankings. I don't know if I'd draft him if I was in that position. You know, if it, I'll be honest. If I was drafting seven and I had my choice between Chubb, Eckler, or Barkley, I'd take Chubb or Eckler, hands down. Not even think twice about it. Uh, next team, we're going to talk about the football team. Super Bowl, 50 to 1. NFC, 22 to 1. NFC East, 2 to 1, over, under, 8.5. Where do you have the football team? The football team, I greatly respect the football team for what they did last year. Coming in with a whole lot of controversy in the offseason and a lot of uncertainty, they really came out. And they won the NFC East, um, which that's not – it's just the NFC was bad. The NFC East was bad last year. Um, they tried to fill, or fill their quarterback role by getting Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Fitzpatrick, he's been a journeyman for a reason. Um, I still don't see him as like a franchise QB option. There's going to be some good weeks. There's going to be some bad weeks. Um, he looked good in Miami, but I still don't know if that's going to give them the elite-level QB play that they need. Um, I love this defense, that defensive line. It's young. It's hungry. Um, they're going to be amazing. And then I also like what they did getting William Jackson. Uh, we talked about him last week. He's one of the more underrated corners in the NFL, so that was a great pickup. It's just I don't know how this offense is going to work. I don't think they found a true offensive identity. I worry about a second receiver opposite Terry McLaurin. Um, yeah, and I think – they kind of caught people by surprise last year. I think some people are going to be more ready for that this year. Here's the thing. Now, you mentioned about Fitzpatrick being a journeyman quarterback. With how good this defense is, could you see him being someone like a Trent Dilfer and just being serviceable at, at um, the quarterback position and when the defense leads him to a championship like he did with the Ravens all those years ago? I don't, I don't see that with this roster, at least yet. I mean, if we get to two years down the road and Chase Young is a game-breaking talent, uh, Montez Sweat develops as a quality number two pass rusher, maybe. But um, at then, I think by then, Washington football team will be looking to upgrade the quarterback position. See, I'm a little bit higher on this defense than you are. This defense has seven first-round starters, the most of any team in the NFL, so the talent is there. Plus, they're adding William Jackson, and they're getting Landon Collins back. So immediately, a defense is taking another step up. Also, this team, with a third-string quarterback that, what, was working at Best Buy or being a, like a math teacher or something, they almost beat the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People, You know, you know what I mean? They had a third-string nobody that got off the streets almost beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. They probably gave them, from start to finish, the most competitive game. Uh, I, I'm i a little higher on this team. I think defensively they're good. Offensive line, I think, is better than most people realize. Fitzpatrick was successful running the RPOs that Scott Turner likes to run. I expect the 206 touches that Gibson saw last year to uptick a little bit. But I'm a little lower on Gibson in terms of fantasy because they did add Curtis Samuel. I think they're going to line Samuel all up, all over the place, slot in the backfield, and he's going to take some touches away from Gibson. 
I I think this team's going to sneak up on people. I actually have them going eleven and six and winning the East. Oh, wow, you see, this is one of our big differences that we have. I have them seven and ten. I still think that defense is going to be like a very good unit, but they're going to remind me a little bit of Chicago last year, where it was a great defense, but the offense just wasn't there. Um, so yeah, I have them seven and ten. I feel like their dreams here, the season they wanted to have, was last year where they make the playoffs. I don't really see it as much this year. Although you could convince me otherwise, I wouldn't be too surprised if they made the playoffs. Though. I mean, honestly, their big their their season is their first three games. I mean, Chargers at home, Giants at home, at Buffalo. That's going to tell you all they need to know. If they're two and one, three and zero oh after that, this team's going to make be the playoffs. They're going they're going to be one of the one of the better teams. If they're one and two or zero oh and three, it's going to be a long effing year in DC. But I really like Ron Rivera. I think River Ron is insanely underrated. I think Del Rio is a good defensive coordinator. If Fitzpatrick can just come in and be serviceable, yeah, I think this team. I think this team is the third best team in the NFC. Believe it or not. Um. So now let's shift to the team you just mentioned in terms of defense. We're going to go to the NFC East. We're going to go to the Chicago Bears. The Bears are sixty-five. And one to win it all, thirty-five and one to win the NFC, five and five, plus five fifty to win the North, and an over/under of seven and a half. Talk dirty to me about these Bears, my friend. Uh, the Bears. So the Bears, we know what the Bears are. They have a great pass rush, excellent run D. They're littered with questions about quarterback. Um, is the Red Rifle going to be able to take them back to the playoffs? Um, also, surprisingly, a great pass rush uh, won't look as great if those corners can't cover anybody. Um, and I don't think Chicago has a good group of corners over there. Their offensive line is also really shaky. They did make a great pick, where I feel like with Tevin Jenkins in the second round, but that offensive line is just kind of shaky. And I don't feel comfortable putting Andy Dalton or Justin Fields if he um, takes the job behind them. And then also, Matt Nagy still the coach. Um, I still don't believe in him. Um, I remember last year we talked about how is he an offensive guru or, and how he still has a job. Um, I, I, I still don't see it. I see two clearly better teams in this division with the Vikings and Packers who we'll get to. Um, so right now I have the Bears at 7-10. See, it's funny that you mentioned Nagy. It's weird when someone's a quote-unquote offensive guru, and this is his second young quarterback that he's going to have to develop. He did nothing for Trubisky. And the, here's the funny thing about Trubisky. He led them to the playoffs twice and a division title once. I mean, at, there's a lot of teams in the NFL that would fucking die for that. And yeah. people consider Trubisky here in Chicago a bust. And Nagy did absolutely nothing at all to put him in a position to be successful or to develop him at all. I mean, that is it. People throw Nagy, not Nagy, Trubisky under the bus. No, no, that's all Nagy. Nagy can't coach. As long as Nagy is here, this team, I mean, their cap is seven wins. It's seven wins. Um, Obviously, my big prediction is the Bears are going to get rocked by the Rams. Dalton revenge game. They're going to blow out the Bengals. They're going to really struggle against the Bears. Excuse me, against the Browns. Second half of the Browns game, they're going to put in fields. He's going to do serviceable. 
and then Fields is going to come in because their next two games are against the Lions and then the Raiders, who are two awful defenses. So I really think that would be the best situation to start Fields because we we both you and I both agree Fields needs to get on the field and get those reps. No, to take that next. Yeah, step. both uh, both and I were super high. You and I were super high on Fields. And I really think that's the best way, just looking at the schedule because you don't. There's no like a two good game stretch where he's playing against two bad defenses like that. So I really think that's what they're going to do. Obviously, the O-line is going to come down if the kid Jenkins from Ohio State, is he going to be able to anchor that left side? If he's able to anchor the left side, I think this offensive line is going to be good, decent. If he can't, I think the offensive line is going to be very, very bad. Now, you mentioned the Bears' defense. I have actually a counter-argument. I think this defensive unit is insanely overrated. I don't think they're as good as when they had Vangio. The thing with Vangio is Vangio does such a good job disguising systems and he is such he's kind of a even though he's how can i say this politely he kind of looks like a grandpa he's a hard ass and demands you be in the right spot and hold you accountable all the time chuck pagamo who was their dc the last two years he's tries to be a coach's a, a player's coach he doesn't get on him so i really feel that the lot of the good characteristics and the good traits that Vangio installed in those people, the last two, the the players, the last two years, they're gone. Pladamo let them snack with a lot, like snag with a lot of things, and they picked up a lot of bad habits. And this defense was a little overrated, as you saw in my fantasy football guide. I'm very low on this defense. This is their third DC in four years, and a lot is going to be on the new one, Desi, to come in and to take care of the bad habits that has been installed. When uh, Chuck Podama was there, I totally agree with you. I have this team going seven and ten, and I really hope for Justin Fields' sake that Nagy gets the fuck out of town because this team is going nowhere with Mac Nagy as the coach. And I will also say this: I've seen David Montgomery go way too early in fantasy football rounds. Guys, he was doing well against bad defenses, and also they have Williams from Kansas City who's there now, and Tyreek Cahoon is back. So those guys are going to take touches. They're going to take carries away from David Montgomery. So we need to remember that and you need to stay away from David Montgomery. I'm not that high on Mooney either. People say, what about last year? Completely different quarterback was here last year. It isn't Nick Foles and Trubitsky. It's Fields and Dalton. I really think that A-Rob, Allen Robinson, is the true alpha there. And he's going to lead the team in targets and receptions by a significant amount. Um, the next team, the Green Bay Packers. The Packers had one of the most interesting off seasons in the NFL. Win the Super Bowl twelve to one. NFC plus six hundred. The North minus one sixty. Their over under is ten. Talk to me about the Packers, my friend. So it's interesting about the Packers as they're getting ready for their last dance with Aaron Rodgers. Um, they had one of the more interesting off, off seasons as we'll put it um especially on Aaron Rodgers side when it comes to Aaron Rodgers versus the Packers for years Aaron Rodgers has been leading them to the postseason um he's been the reason people want to come to Green Bay in the first place and Green Bay time and time again has not valued his opinion with when it comes to free agents or personnel decisions and Aaron Rodgers he's a champion he knows what he's talking about um, they also refuse to get him a receiver that can actually move the sticks apart from Devontae Adams. If you look at their wide receivers, 
full of guys that are 6'3", who can't really move, who can't create separation. Um, and then you look at their recent draft picks. They pick Jordan Love, um, whatever. If you want to replace Aaron Rodgers in the future, I understand that. But then A.J. Dillon to back up Aaron Jones, who you decided to pay all that money to. And then they take Josiah DeGura. And then I forgot who the center they took was this year. I'm, forget, I'm spacing on his name. But there were clearly other better center prospects available, like Creed Humphrey. Um, and so they want to replace him with that, or replace Corey Lindsley with a new rookie who doesn't know the system. The Packers' front office just is not, I don't know, they're just not playing to win, it feels like. So I'm kind of sour on the Packers this year. I think Aaron Rodgers will still carry them into a 10-6 and record. They'll still make the playoffs when it comes to beating those teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whether it's the Rams or the 49ers this year. I, I don't see how they're going to be able to get past the hump this year. I, yeah. Here's an interesting stat. Guess who's led the NFL by a significant amount in audibles the last two years? Yeah. So basically, LaFleur calls a play. Rodgers goes in there and just completely changes it. Um, he has his people he likes. He obviously loves Devontae Adams, and he's going to throw the majority to him. This whole thing with Randall Cobb is interesting because everything I've read and everything I remember, Cobb and Rodgers really didn't get along, and now he demands Randall Cobb be traded to him. You know what I mean? That really doesn't make that much sense to me. Um, next thing is, is Cobb really an upgrade over – Amari Rogers from Clemson? I don't think so. Uh, and in terms of the little saga between the uh, Packers and the uh, um, Rogers, I think the Packers won it, dude. I mean, they got out of his contract. They don't have to play pay that absurd buyout after this year. And they got him to play one more season. You're telling me if this team doesn't make it to the Super Bowl, you don't think Rogers is going to come back? Let's just say hypothetically stuff throw, goes their way. They make it to the Super Bowl. You don't think he's not going to come back? You think he'll just walk and go to a different team? I think the Packers worked out perfectly for themselves, like you said. So it's just, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's lined up perfectly for them. Um, They did change defensive coordinators, though. Uh, The new DC, he's going to blitz a lot more, and he's going to allow Jameer Alexander to be a true shadow quarterback and not just play one side of the field. I really felt their defense with how passive they were against Brady, especially to close that first half, really hung them out to dry. And I think this defensive coordinator that they hired is going to elevate them to that next level. But, yeah, man, I'm completely with you. I'm looking at their schedule right now. I have them with 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. I'm 11-6. 11-6 winning the the North and – beating the Giants in the first round of the of the playoffs. I think there's going to be some interesting parts of the season uh, when they play Washington, Arizona, Kansas City, and then Seattle. That's a tough little stretch, uh, and it'll be good news clippings. Uh, I want to see this team struggle a little bit because I, I, I think there's issues there, and I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers guy, but... Yeah, it should be an interesting season in Green Bay, but I really think, you know, another playoff playoff season, and I have them losing to the Rams in the divisional round. Uh, 
now we have to go to Heartbreak City, my Detroit Lions. 200 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 100 to 1 to win the NFC. They're a fucking 101 dude to win the NFC. NFC North, 28 to 1, over and under a four and a half. I mean, talk to me about my squad, buddy. So with the Lions, I've seen some incredibly low predictions for them. I've seen as low as one in uh, sixteen and two and fifteen. I really don't think they'll be that bad. Um, Dan Campbell, well, I'm not super excited about his hire. He's a culture setting guy. Um, he's going to bring that blue collar culture. They'll have good trenches, at least on the offensive line. Um, they really do lack that elite talent. They you look around the roster, who's the game-breaking player that you have to game plan for? There's none of that. The wide receiver core is miserable. I have it as the lowest-ranked wide receiver core in the league. Also, the defense is pretty bad. But I think with all that, they're going to have some supremely low expectations. Because of that, and because of the blue-collar culture that Dan Camp is bringing, they're going to have they're going to catch some teams by surprise. So I actually have them going five and twelve. I also think another storyline to pay attention to is Jared Goff. When you think of his career, he was like a highly talented prospect coming out of high school. He was the number one pick um, with NFL draft. He's kind of just been not necessarily handed things, but life's been not too hard from a football perspective for Jared Goff. Yeah, he walked into Sean McVay, um, had an elite play caller. This is like the first year he's really going to have to prove himself. Um, and if he doesn't, then the Lions are going to go with a different quarterback down the road. So I think he has something to play for. He'll try his best um, and really work, which was a question mark for him before. So I think the Lions can actually surprise some people. I still have them just going five and twelve, but that's better than what I've seen. So, I have them four and eleven. This coaching hire of Dan Campbell is the worst coaching hire in the history of the NFL. This guy has no business being an NFL coach. You look at his history as a tight end coach. Who has he developed? What tight end crew has he taken to that next level? I went, there was this tight end when he used to be with the Dolphins. His name was Jordan Campbell. He was with the Browns. Highly touted guy. He went to the Dolphins. He got worse. He got fucking worse under Dan Campbell. Uh, And then you bring in Anthony Lynn, which sucks for for Swift. Because in my eyes, the Lions, they have a top 10 offensive line in the league. And if you just had an offensive coordinator that would commit to a single running back, that running back would be gold. Because that's the strength of this team, the offensive line. Uh, It will help Goff because Goff's really big weakness is when he faces pressure. He can't really step into the throw against pressure. With this offensive line, that won't be an issue. One more thing about Anthony Lynn, for those who watched Hard Knocks last year, uh, he ran this contest where whoever was the best leaper would be the goal line back. Eckler won that by far. Eckler got zero goal line carries last year. I mean, Anthony Lynn has zero business being an offensive coordinator. Um, in terms of the defense, they just don't have enough talent. I love the Aaron Glenn hire. I think Aaron Glenn's going to be an elite coach in the NFL one day, and I really hope when they do fire... Campbell, they look to Aaron Glenn, but honestly, the defense has no fucking talent at all. They need to do a complete revamp. And yeah, I got them at four and eleven, and it's going to be a long fucking year for for my boys. I mean, looking at their schedule, dude. Tell me when they get their first win, okay? 
Week one, San Francisco, win or loss? Loss. Week two, at Green Bay? Loss. Week three, Baltimore? Loss. Week four, at Chicago? I think I have a better chance of J-Lo knocking on my front door, but uh, at Minnesota. I think they can split one of those two games, at least. All right, and then then Bengals at home. They can win that one at home. At the Rams. Okay, loss. Eagles at home. Push. I have, yeah, at home they could be the eagle. I have their first win week eight. Like I, I mean, I really think they're gonna they're gonna struggle. I think they're gonna win four games. I think they're gonna win the Philly game, Chicago at home, Minnesota at home, and the Cardinals at home. That's that's the four wins I have them. I really think they're gonna struggle. I think it's gonna take all my might not to just burn all my Detroit Lion gear, but I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep my eyes on the future. Um. The next one we're going to go to is the Minnesota Vikings, who had a sneaky coaching change. Uh, Super Bowl fifty to one, NFC twenty two to one, plus two fifty for the North, over under nine wins. Talk to me about the Vikings. I think with all the stuff going on in the NFC North, the Detroit Lions being one of the worst teams in the league, the Green Bay Packers having all their offseason issues. And then the Chicago Bears just have a lot of uncertainty and like a lot of staff uncertainty as well. I think the Minnesota Vikings are kind of flying under the radar. They're going to get a lot of people back from COVID opt-outs last year. Um, Neil Hunter was also injured, and he'll be a dynamic pass rusher that will really help their pass rush. Um, obviously, they got a great running game with Dalvin Cook and Madison backing him up. Elite wide receiver duo between Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. The scheme fits their offense perfectly. Mike Zimmer, um, he has his flaws, but he is a good defensive coach. Um, the run D will be solid. And then also you got Eric Kendrick clocking up the middle of the field defensively. Um, and they also have a lot of young corners um, that should develop in year two, or years two and three. So I honestly like the Vikings. I can see them making the playoffs this year. I have them at nine and eight and just sneaking in there. So here's my thing with them. Now, you know how I love offensive line almost to a disgusting point, okay? Um, they – Dennison's out. Dennison left because of um, he the whole COVID thing, and we're not going to talk about that, guys. You can have your opinion. I really don't care. It's your opinion. We're here to talk about football. But Dennison is out. And that's going to affect all those young guys with the zone blocking system. PFF, I know everyone hits me up on this. PFF graded Minnesota low in terms of offensive line. There's a huge flaw in PF, PFF, the way they grade offensive line. PFF grade offensive, grades offensive line if you stay in your zone. Um, zone blocking, you don't stay in your zone. You're moving. You know what I mean? You're pulling. So obviously there's a defect in the system there. So you guys coming at me with the PFF grades? No. Dennison was the reason that Delvin Cook put up great numbers. Jefferson put up great numbers. And Cousins put up great numbers this year. Losing Dennison is going to be a huge effect. And he's actually the reason. I dropped Delvin Cook down to five in my 
in my overall rankings. I dropped him down that much. He improved from, what was it? I think it was like 16 points a game to 22 fantasy points a game to 24 fantasy points a game with Dennison there. There was a time when Dennison was the run coordinator, which he is in Minnesota, was in Minnesota, where he had Isaiah Crowell, when Crowell was with the Jets, through five games before Crowell got hurt. He was the leading rusher in the NFL. That's how good fucking Rick Dennison is, guys. And I really think this loss is going to hurt the offensive line and hurt those players a lot and hurt Dennisall's development as a player in terms of their defense. Guess who got released yesterday, my friend? Who was that? Jeff Gladly got released yesterday because of the indictment in the Texas federal court for the felony assault that happened in April. So one of those young DBs that you and I both liked is gone. And in the Zimmer system, they need the they need those lockdown corners, corners at the defend, and someone to get to a pass rush. And they don't have that. But on the flip side, you got to hit the head. There's a lot of question marks in this division. I really think Green Bay's on the verge of just imploding. Detroit is like the drunk girl at the bar. They're a fucking train wreck. And Bears have an awful head coach. With that being said, I think this team fights for a playoff spot. They just miss out at 8-9. and nine. You think I have to make it at nine and eight? I think with this young, with losing uh, Denison, they have a really young offensive line. And I think at the start of the year, it's going to look really bad. But as we get further on in the year, I think it's really going to come together. Um, you look at Darisaw, Cleveland, Bradbury, um, Wyatt Davis, Ryan O'Neill. That's the young group. I mean, throughout the course of the season, they're going to grow together. And I think by the end of the year, they will be looking pretty promising. But I think because they are young, that's why I kind of am overreacting to Dennison leaving because he's not going to be there to teach. You know, he's like he's who you know who's going to learn from him. And then he Kubiak, Clint Kubiak, not Gary Kubiak. I feel is going to lean on Dennison a lot for play calling responsibilities. Now Clint's just kind of thrown to the wolves. I don't know. I if, if you tell me they win eleven games, I'm not surprised. If you tell me they win four, I'm not surprised. I could see it going either way with them. Now let's shift to the NFC South. We have the defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 6-1 to win the Super Bowl, plus 250 win the NFC East. NFC South, minus 175, over, under of 12. Where do you stand with the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I mean, what can I say? Hell of an offseason, bring everybody back. Uh, running back, this roster is just supremely talented. Um, when you look all across the ball, um, QB, weapons at wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, um, the cover unit, the coaches, this is just a talented group. I think it's even better when you consider the NFC South, and as we'll get to all the rest of the teams, they have their own problems. So I think Tampa Bay is going to cruise to the playoffs. Um, I think the talk of them being like the first 17-0 undefeated team, that's bullshit. I know you can't convince me that any team is going to do that with a 17-game season. But um, I definitely like their chances to repeat, especially when you consider all the other factors um, that other teams have to go against. I uh, feel, the Bucks look pretty promising. So, yeah. I mean, them bringing back all 22 starters is fucking absurd. Their offensive line, like some Madden type stuff. Yeah. I, their offensive line played way better than I thought they would 
last year. They're only going to develop defense, defensive line, him the head. Insane. One of the better, best ones in the game. Young group of linebackers, young secondary. The young secondary is probably their only true quote-unquote weakness. They added Gio Bernard, who's going to be the true third down, pass-catching back. Think James White during the Patriots days. I mean, this team is stacked. Fucking stacked. But they're the defending Super Bowl champions. What does that mean? They're going to get everyone's best fucking shot. Every team is going to be up to play this team. You know what I mean? They're not going to get that one game where those guys are going to kind of, you know what I mean? That one flat yeah, no spot. one's going to, like, no, no 75% every, against every, them. Everyone's going to be up. Because of that, I have them finishing with the second best record in the East. i sorry, second best record in the NFC at 12-5. and five. I think they win the South at 12-5. and five. Um, I think they make it all the way to the NFC Championship game. I won't say who they lose to in the NFC Championship game, but I have them going 20-12-5, making it all the way to the NFC Championship game. And something I was doing their schedule the other day, I mean, could you see them losing to Dallas, winning against Atlanta, losing to the Rams, and then losing to New England? I could see them starting 1-3 to start the season. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And then you look at the back part of their season, New Orleans will touch on them later. Panthers will touch on them later. You and I both think the Jets are going to struggle, and then we'll touch on the Panthers later. That's a very that's a very easy schedule to end the series, end the season. I um, I think it's going to be a lot like last year, start off a little slow and then tear it up toward the end of the year. Yeah, 12-5. and five. But here's the thing. They're a good football team, but in terms of fantasy, I don't want to touch any of these motherfuckers because you never know who's the so guy. Yeah, you never know who's going to be the guy. Antonio Brown is legitimately this team's third wide receiver. Uh, Scotty Miller's their fourth. The tight end room is getting O.J. Howard back. So now you have Gronk, Cameron Bray, and O.J. Howard. Running back room, Fournette, Rojo, and Gio Bernard. This team, yeah, all the talent in the world, but in terms of fantasy, you can't trust anybody. Pure stay away from me in fantasy, but yeah. 12-5, and I think they made the NFC Championship game. I got eleven and six, also the second seed in the NFC. Um, I do have them losing the NFC championship, but I won't spoil it here because we'll get to that team as well. Um, the next team, the ATL, Atlanta Falcons, eighty to one to win the Super Bowl, thirty to one to win the NFC, plus eight fifty to win the South. Over under seven and a half. Talk to me about the Dirty Birds. So the Dirty Birds are entering an interesting season uh, with them essentially kicking Matt Ryan's contract down the road. Um, I thought they would go all in and not trade Julio Jones and not pick Kyle Pitts. I thought, but now they're just kind of in like a weird spot with Matt Ryan aging, still on the roster. They have a good roster, but not really good enough to compete. They're still trying to get rid of some of those players from the um, when they were competing back in the day. Um, but a good quarterback can carry you far in this league, so Matt Ryan's going to be good. They do have good cover linebackers. They are bringing back that Shanahan system that they had so much success with in 2017, uh, 2018. Um, so I think having Arthur Smith will really help this offense. But the defense is definitely going to have a whole host of question marks. Just in terms of pure roster talent, I don't know if they have 
like the secondary. Like I feel like that secondary is going to get torched. So stay away from the Falcons' defense. Um, but I feel like the number two in this division is wide open. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Falcons ended up uh, piecing together a nine and eight record and being second in the uh, NFC South. But I don't really see that happening. I think that youth and inexperience in their secondary is going to get to them. That defense is going to be pitiful. Um, Matt Ryan might get injured with his old age. Um, I have them at 6-11. I'm not too high on them. I'm high on this team, and and I have them going 8-9. I think they're going to overachieve. I love Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith broke through the grass ceiling because all the time, and Clint Kubiak we just talked about is a prime example. Scott Turner is a prime example. These guys get jobs because of their dads or because they just are recycling offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators. Arthur Smith, I hate to use this term nobody, but he was a nobody when he broke into the coaching world. And now he's worked his way up all the way to a head coach of the NFL. It's truly remarkable what he was able to do. He likes to run the RPO, but with Matt Ryan, you can't really do that. He likes to run the ball a lot. The only run, the only running back in town is Mike Davis, who I think is going to have a huge year. And I think Smith is smart enough where he's going to find a way to make Davis successful. Ridley, clear number one now, not going to be fine for Julio Jones. I'm not this high on Pitts though. Where, what do you think about Pitts? Like, do you think he's going to have a good first year? Like, talk talk to me about your your expectations for Kyle Pitts for uh, year one. I was going to ask you about your expectations about Kyle Pitts because I think he'll be a good, solid player. Like I'm thinking similar to John o. Smith within his first year. But the expectations I've seen for him, like nearly 1,000-yard years, that's just way too high. Um, so I think people need to pump the brakes. He is a rookie tight end, and typically the past few rookie tight ends taken in the first um Struggle because the there's, round, you have to, like you, have to, you have to learn the blocking system and everything. Like there's a lot of different um, moving factors with the tight end position, and I think that four four forty time is going to be four eight by the end of the season because he's going to get chipped by those do- defensive linemen and linebackers every time he comes off the line. His he's going to get slower as the season progresses just because of the physical beating that he's going to take. The defense, they brought in my boy Dean Pease as the defensive coordinator. Smith talked him out of coming out of retirement. So the 72-year-old Dean Pease, who last coached the Tennessee Titans that made the NFC Championship game, is their D.C. He loves being aggressive. He loves trying to create turnovers. He loves blitzing. This this defense is going to take chances. Because of that, they're going to struggle to start the year. But I really feel by the end of the year, this defense, once Pease can coach up these young guys, especially the back four, I think this team is going to be a sneaky good defense. You look at week 16 against the Lions, I'm definitely going to be playing them in DFS. You look week 14 against the Panthers, week 12 against the Jaguars. Toward the end of the season, there's going to be some opportunities where you can play this team in DFS and make some money or in your season line. I have them going to eight and nine. I think they're the second best team. I think they're going to have a good second half of the season, and they're going to struggle immensely the first five weeks going into that bye. You see, I feel like with Atlanta, we've seen them not have the mental fortitude in a lot of games. So I think that early struggle could really get to this team psychologically. 
And I think um, with Arthur Smith going from like talent like Ryan Tannehill and his ability to move within the pocket to Matt Ryan, and then going from Derrick Henry to Mike Davis, that this offense might not be all it's cracked up to be. I still think it will be a good offense. But, but still, I have a lot of questions about that defense that I don't think will, will be answered until later on in the year. So my, counter, so my counter to that, though, is if he can get Ryan Tannehill, who you and I both agree doesn't doesn't spin the ball as, as well as Matt Ryan, correct? If he can get Tannehill to attempt the third fewest passes in the NFL and have the eighth most TD passes, think what he's going to be able to do with Matt Ryan. You know what I mean? With someone who's more talented, I think he's going to be able to open it up a little bit more. Um, it's definitely like an interesting thing because he's not typically the quarterback that Smith likes to work with. So Smith will have to make some changes. Uh, I do think the team kind of fucked up because if you're going to keep Ryan, which they have to with his contract incentive, incentives and like buyouts and everything, why the hell did you not draft Penny Sewell? You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I'm saying this with every team that drafted before the Lions. Why the hell did you not draft that kid? If you're going to have Matt Ryan as your quarterback, which you're basically stuck with with his contract for the next two to three years, why not draft Sewell? That's that's my question, and that's why I don't yeah. understand. Before we move on from them, um, typically in the Shanahan scheme, there's typically two good wide receivers. They definitely have one, Calvin Ridley, but who's, who's going to be the second option? And will he be reliable enough for them to count on? I mean, Russell Gage. I mean, they could throw. I, I honestly, the more I think about it, they, I, I could see them lining up Pitts more at the wide receiver position and have Hurst be the true tight end. The more and more I, I think about it, I think that's how they're going to play it. Um, the next team, and I'm probably going to shock people with what I think of this team, the Carolina Panthers. 80 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, NFC 35 to 1, NFC South 9 to 1, over under 7.5. I right, talk to me. Where do you find where do you think the uh Panthers are going? The Panthers are really building something. I love the Matt Rule hire uh, originally. I love them getting Joe Brady from LSU um, last year. And they're really building um a pretty good culture with the youth. They got good play calling, they got a lot of playmakers, a lot of speed. But there's definitely, like, some unknowns. There's just so much uncertainty, starting with the quarterback position. Um, Sam Darnold is one of the most polarizing players in the NFL. Some people think he's just broken from what the Jets did to him. Some people see the potential that they saw at USC. I'm kind of just up in the air. I don't really know what we're going to get. I think a change of scenery was nice for him to have. Um, But also, this offensive line isn't conducive to him having a bounce-back season as well. especially if McCaffrey's going to keep taking a bunch of hits as he'll be heavily utilized again. Um, yeah, there's just a whole lot of questions with this team and a whole lot of use that I'm just not sure it's all going to come together. I do think they're building something. So I have them at 7 and 10. That's good enough for second in the NFC South, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I definitely like the direction they're moving. Just not so sure about this year. I... Now, here's the thing. I think Sam Darnold fucking sucks. I think he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Do you really think he's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater? I do not. Potential, I'm a coach, guys. Potential is, I hate it when people use the term potential because it's an out. He hasn't shown it to me. And when you're at, what is it, year five, and you haven't shown it to me, and you have not gotten better, 
you don't have it. And that's hard for people to say about Sam Darnold for whatever reason. Darnold doesn't have it. Um, I'm very low on this team. I think because of Darnold, they're going to struggle. In the Joe Brady system, it's better with an RPO quarterback. Darnold is slow as molasses. I don't... And... Brady can't run what he wants to do. Honestly, I think the offense would move a lot better if they started P.J. Walker, the backup quarterback who is an XFL star. Do um, you think he actually gets snaps this year? I think this team struggles, and I think um, I think Darnold's benched. I haven't going 3-14, and 14, dude. I think this team is awful. Um, McCaffrey is going to be McCaffrey. He's going to get his touches. He's going to be a target machine out of the backfield. He's going to run the ball. Left side of the offensive line is a complete wreck. Because of Terrence Marshall's history with Joe Brady, I think that he's going to lead them in red zone targets. Um, offensive line, like I said, is a mess. The back four of the defense is very exposed. This back four is completely awful, so it creates pressure on the defensive line of Brown, Burns, and Thompson to generate a pass rush. And I really don't think, since those guys are so young, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. And because of that, the back four is going to get eaten alive against the against Ridley, against Evans, Godwin, Brown, you name it. They're just going to get eaten alive. I think they have a lot of holes in the defense, and Darnold's not the guy. I mean, I have them going... I have them going 3-14. and 14. Um, And I, I'm looking at their schedule right now. I have them beating the Jets, okay? I have them losing to New Orleans on the short week at the Texans, a situational play. I have them losing to the Texans. I have them losing at Dallas. I have them beating Philly. I have them losing to Minnesota, losing at New York, losing at Atlanta. You know, I mean, like, I just, with how the schedule pans out, I just don't have a lot of wins on there. I think they're really going to struggle. That's interesting to me you say that because they're like my second favorite team within this division. I really think that they'll take steps forward. Their defense was incredibly young last year, had a lot of rookie starters. I think the only way up for them is, is or the only way up for them is up because they were so bad last year as a unit. Um, I, honestly, yeah, if, Sam Darnold, it all starts with Sam Darnold, depending on what version of Sam Darnold we get. Um, so, yeah. I, if... They had anybody else. Like, if P.J. Walker was a, was a starting quarterback, I'd have more faith in him than Sam Darnold. Maybe it's just because I just don't see Darnold as that guy. But as long as Darnold is the quarterback, I don't have this team going anywhere. Um, the next team. Team that's been... There's an awful lot of noise happening in a short amount of time. The New Orleans Saints. 25-1 to win the Super Bowl. 12-1 to win the NFC. Three to one to win the South over under a nine. Um, yeah, talk to me about the Saints. What 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 do you think about everything going on there? I feel like there's no team that has such a wide range of outcomes this season as the New Orleans Saints. Um, I feel like Saints fans they keep pointing to their historically good record without Drew Brees in the past few seasons, but you got it. But losing a quarterback like Drew Brees is just not easy to replace, especially when you have so many unknowns at the quarterback position. Like, is Jameis Winston going to be the turnover machine? Um, I could easily see Jameis Winston reverting back to his old ways and being a turnover machine. And then week three, him just being yanked out and Sean Payton, like, it's it's Taysom Hill time. And as far as Taysom Hill, 
I think we've talked about him before on this channel. Um, I'm just not a fan. I don't really see it. I don't really see it. He's such a gadget player um, that they manufacture touches and yards for him. But I don't see him as a true quarterback that's really going to move the needle um, or make this team better. And when you consider the wide receiving core, uh, there's a whole lot of issues with Michael Thomas going on right now. I can see him like holding out or not, just not playing or uh, saying that he's injured or something. Um, so that wide receiving core is even gets even worse. The only good receiver is Alvin Kamara out the backfield. Um, but yeah, the defense is solid. Um, they've got a obviously proven culture that's been good. Their offensive line is good. So it could all come together. Jameis could unlock something that from sitting uh, behind Drew Brees for the past two years. Um, but it's just a wide range of outcomes. Ultimately, I settled on 7 and 10. Um, but I don't feel confident in that. It could go a variety of ways for New Orleans. My thinking is because Taysom Hill has a huge contract, he, that's who's going to be starting at quarterback. And when you start him at quarterback, he's showing he doesn't give the ball to Kamara. So already your most dynamic playmaker, he's not involved at all. Their wide receiving core is bad. No Sanders, no no Thomas, Thomas anytime soon. Thomas wants to be traded. Um, Traquan Smith got hurt. Uh, yeah, this wide receiving core is pretty bottom of the barrel right now. Uh, defensively, in my eyes, the only way they can win is if Dennis Allen makes this defense better than what it was last year. And it was probably a top five. It was a top five defense last year. This team is going to have to win games because of their defense and not their offense. And even if Winston does play, Winston likes to throw the ball down the field. So that doesn't play to Kamara's strengths at all. And Kamara's never had a 1,000-yard rushing season. He's a pure stay away for me in fantasy football. And in terms of Michael Thomas, um, I I don't think he wants to play football, man. And that's fine. Like, if you you got to want to play, and he doesn't want to play, and that's fine. I have no qualm with it, or it's his decision. Uh, I just, I, I don't think we're going to see Michael Thomas on the football field again. Um, Did you see his recent uh, liking the tweets about him getting surgery? No, I didn't see that at all. I, so apparently this guy on Twitter, he said um, Michael Thomas is mad at the Saints because he uh, they told him not to get surgery for Drew Brees' last Super Bowl run. And then when he waited in the offseason to get surgery, they're mad at him because he's not healthy anymore. And he apparently liked that tweet. Well, he got hurt playing in garbage time. He never should have been on the field toward the end of that week one game against the Buccaneers. It was pointless for him to be on the field. Absolutely pointless. And they did him no favors. And I think he has every right to be pissed. And because of tweets from Drew Brees during what was going on last summer, I think there was tension there with Mike Thomas. And I think he's he's definitely not playing for the Saints again. And it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see him on the field again in the NFL, which is too bad. bad. But, hey, it's his choice. And you can do whatever you want you know, in your life. I have him going 5-11. and 11. I think they're really going to struggle this year immensely because they can't go up north and win games in the cold like you like you could when you had Drew Brees. You just can't do it. And yeah, I think they're really, really, really gonna struggle this year. I have them going five and eleven. Um now we're shifting to our last division, 
the NFC. Let's start off with the heartthrobs teams itself, the Arizona Cardinals. 40 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 25 to 1 to win the NFC, plus 600 to win the West, over under 8.5. Where do you have the Fighting Kingsburys? Fighting Kingsburys. Well, for Cliff Kingsbury, it's definitely put a percentage um, I believe this is year three of a Cliff Kingsbury era. Correct. He's supposed to chain, re- redefine the NFL, uh, bring the air raid to the NFL. But he hasn't really shown like any tangible um, thing from his era. I'm sure he's got Kyler, and that's obviously a, a plus for them. They have first-out defenders on this team. They have a solid pass rush, a decent pass production. But I feel like this team truly likes that identity. They also don't have that, like, physical in the trenches. And when you look around the rest of the league, you got to be able to win the trenches. Um, this team doesn't have that... Just the ability to bang heads and, like, win at the point of the attack. And I feel like that finesse is only going to carry them so far, especially in a division that's stacked like the NFC West is. I, I don't I don't really see how the Cardinals make the next jump. Um, that wide receiving core, for all the credit it gets, is pretty limited, actually, outside of DeAndre Hopkins. Andy Isabella hasn't really shown anything. A.J. Green was very pedestrian in his last year in Cincinnati. Um, Vance Joseph hasn't really shown a great ability to be able to utilize his defenders, his first-down defenders. I think there's just a lot of question marks that I don't see them being resolved this year in Arizona. I think the signing of Hudson, bringing Hudson in to be the offensive line, is going to improve that unit dramatically. Uh, he was a great pickup. In terms of Hopkins, he had 287 points last year in the PPR, and people considered it a down year. 287 points, and people said he had a down year, which blows my mind. I think Hopkins is going to ball out this year, second year playing with uh, Murray. And we need to remember, Murray stopped running last year because he was banged up with the shoulder. If he can stay healthy, he'll be that true dual-threat quarterback. Um, My problem with the Cardinals isn't the offense, it's the defense. Vance Joseph plays this goddamn wide nine, and that's when those D, the DEs just line up wide, and it's all it's on the linebackers, the young linebackers of the Cardinals, Collins, the rookie from Tucson, and Simmons, who they drafted last year, to step up and fill those gaps. Are those guys going to be able to do that? I don't think they are. And you can it really run against the wide against the wide nine defense, and you can use attack attack it with using the tight end. And when you look, you have the 49ers, one of the better running games in the league. Um, Sean McVay, great running game. And the Seahawks are going to change and run more outside zone. I really think defensively this team is going to struggle immensely. And their DBs just aren't that good. I think this team is going to finish 6-11. and Kingsbury is going to get fired. And, you know, it's going to start over, which is too bad because... They're toward the end of their cycle when they have their chance to win it because Murray's going to want the extension soon enough. And boom, it's been proven that you can't make the Super Bowl if you have a quarterback who's not on his rookie deal. So 6-11, and 11, Kingsbury out for me. Um, yeah, I got them at 7-10. So. so we're basically, basically in agreement there. Um, the next team is the San Francisco – oh, so you were, excuse me, the Seattle Seahawks. We have the Seattle Seahawks 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 10 to 1 to win the NFC, plus 275 to win the West, uh, 
over under 10. Talk to me about the Seahawks, my friend. So I love that they're finally getting with the times and implementing that wide zone, Shanahan type scheme. I feel like what is Russell Wilson good at? He's good at uh, getting outside, getting on the move, throwing on the run. He's very accurate, and he has an excellent deep ball. Those are all things that are big, uh, big parts of the Shanahan offense. So that's going to help him tremendously. It's also going to mask some of their issues with the O line. Um, they also have great playmakers in DK Metcalf, Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They have a good culture there, and obviously they have the home field advantage. Um, but still, this offensive line isn't that good. And when you look at their offensive line, it's a lot of big mauling type guys um, that have like really big anchors. But in the Shanahan scheme, you really need to be able to move block. And I don't think most of their guys, apart from like Damian Lewis, are really suited to run that scheme. And two of the worst combinations to have in um, football are a bad pass rush and bad quarters. And Seattle has both those. Um, when you look at last year, Jamal Adams kind of got dragged through the mud last year because he would blitz so much and people said he couldn't cover. He was also really bad in coverage. But part of that is because Seattle had to utilize him as a blitzer so much because they had to manufacture some sort of pass rush. Um, he'll probably blitz less this year, but they have a whole lot of, vet- of veterans that aren't that good at rushing the passer. Um, so when you combine that with their starting cornerback duel of Akello Witherspoon and Trey Flowers, this defense could be really bad yet again. Um, but one person I do like on their offensive side of the ball is Gerald Everett because he's similar to that Johnny Smith type role, um, Johnny Smith type mold, and he can be that Gerald or that Johnny Smith for this offense um, as they run that wide zone Tennessee type scheme. I am so excited to see this offense. They brought in the guy who is the passing game coordinator for the 49ers to be their OC, and everything is going to be zone blocking, wide zone blocking, running. But they're also going to try to do a lot more quicker passes. So that way, like you said, would hide the deficiencies of the offensive line and try to give the ball to Lockett and Metcalf in space and let them operate. I think this offense is going to be a juggernauter. And you read my fantasy football guide. I told, I, I flat out said, if Wilson is on the board in this round, you take him. And I'm really high on Russell Wilson this year. Defense, I mean, the defense sucked last year. It was on the pace to give it the most yards by the astronomical tomorrow and you hit on the head you have two choices you can rush and blitz Adams so that way you can try to make the quarterback rush and go through his reads quick and that way you hope the corners can cover for the two two and a half to three seconds or you drop Adams back and have him help the corners and then pray that your lack of pass rushers can just do something so defensively they're kind of up against it but just because of Wilson and this offense, I think they're still going to win 10 games, though. Really? Yeah. We're... You see, I was tempted to put a Russell Wilson MVP future out there, but I just feel like this defense is going to get in the way of that. Also, I'm much higher on the 49ers and Rams in this division, so. Yeah, but I mean, like, I had, like, a lot of teams with, like, garbage records, so that's why I'm able to get to the 10-7. and 7. You know what I mean? I had a couple teams, like the Cardinals and the Saints and the Panthers a little bit lower than you did, my friend. Now let's get to the team you mentioned, the San Francisco 49ers. Super Bowl 14 to 1, NFC 6 and a half to 1, NFC West plus 190, over under 10 and a half. 
talk to me about the San Francisco 49ers. So the 49ers are going to get uh, be back and out for blood. Um, they had a little bit of that Super Bowl, hang- or Super Bowl hangover. It also didn't help that they became nicknamed the 49 IRs. Um, so they're getting a lot of guys back. The defense should be good. Um, Nick Bosa should be good. They also have Trey Lance, um, who I, f- I feel like he won't start originally, but by the end of the season, if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't doing it, then Trey Lance is right there who can run the Shanahan scheme to a T and fit in perfectly. Um, they're going to manufacture good touches or good a good running game because Shanahan's always good at that. They get Debo, Debo Samuel back, and Brandon Ayuk is looking to develop even further. Um, George Kittle should be healthy this year, finally. I don't know. I feel like all everything's coming together for the 49ers, and I feel like um, losing Robert Saleh sucks, but this defense is still going to be at the top, one of the top in the NFL. Um, and this offense, Shanahan's going to make it good regardless of who he has. So I really like the 49ers' outlook this year. Um, I feel like people are forgetting how good they were. I don't quite see a Super Bowl for them, but I have them at 11-6 and because I really do believe in them. I really think the big thing with the defense, and don't get me wrong, losing a coordinator like Robert Sanu, who went to the Jets to be their coach, is going to be a huge thing to overcome. But if Bosa can stay healthy, they can do it. But that's a big if. We saw what happened to that Super Bowl defense when you took away Buckner, who was traded to the Colts, and Bosa was away because he got hurt. They had zero pass rush. So if Bosa can't stay healthy, that's going to be a big issue in my eyes for the 49ers defensively. And in terms of the offense, here's the thing. I really feel that good good ran organizations have a plan. I felt the 49ers had no plan with the third pick overall. I felt it came down to the last minute. They were going back and forth. They just didn't have a pl- excuse me, a plan of attack and I, you know what I mean? It just when you don't have an organized plan, it really making makes me question you as a organization. Um, can Kittle stay healthy? That's another thing. Kittle he plays so hard, he gets banged up so much, he can't stay healthy. The running game is going to produce, but God only knows who the running back is going to be. I don't trust Jimmy G. He dates porn stars, which I respect to the game and everything. I don't trust him, and I have Lance as a developmental quarterback that you can't throw to the Wolves right away. I have this team going at 9-8. and eight. They make a couple trips out to the East Coast where they play early, and I think they have the potential to lose those games, and that's going to hurt them. Okay. Um, I don't really trust Jimmy G, but I know he's fighting for his job and the rest of his NFL career, so I think that will give him some motivation. Um, as far as the staying healthy part, it's just a wait and see. Um, injuries will derail any team, just like with this team. So, yeah, there's a lot of what ifs, and like just like you said, the Saints were the team that you had the hardest time. This is a team I've done the schedule. I had them going getting 12 wins. I had them going anywhere from 12 and five to seven and 11. I really feel there's a lot of variables with the 49ers, and I just ended up at eight and nine. You know what I mean? It was just one of those things that happened. Um, the next team, the Matt Stafford-led Los Angeles Rams. 14-1 win the Super Bowl, 6.5, plus 650 NFC, plus 190 NFC West, over under 10.5. Where do you see the Stafford-led uh, Rams going, my friend? 
I love this team. I love this team. Uh, Matt Stafford, as you know, as a Detroit Lions fan, has been one of the most disrespected QBs for the uh, greater part of a decade now. Um, I think he's really out to prove something. Um, Sean McVay, obviously, we know he is a play-calling genius and can scheme up offense for every anyone, um, whether his quarterback's Jared Goff. And now he gets a super talented QB like Matthew Stafford. I think the big question with Stafford is can he stay healthy, which that remains to be seen. And I think if um, he did, doesn't stay healthy, then her season's derailed. But I, just, I still really like this team. They still got Tyler Higby at tight end. They still have weapons at wide receiver who can produce. It stinks that Cam Akers got hurt, but this running back or this running room is still going to be able to get stuff out of there. There with Daryl Henderson. Um, defensively, they struggled at some parts of the season, but I think they finally figured it out. Um, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, two game-breaking talents that you have to game plan, you have to scheme for. I think the rest of this defense is going to come together because they only have to do a little bit, just a little bit. Just they got to help out Jalen Ramsey. They just got to help out Aaron Donald a little bit. So I really like this team and how it comes together. Um, they're one of my favorites. They I actually have them in the Super represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. So. Ooh, look at you. Look at you. I, I'm i high on this team, too. Um, I think their biggest win of the offseason was the whole Aaron Donald thing by that lunatic guy being completely made up because we saw in the playoffs what happens if Aaron Donald's not on the football field. Defense, because they can't get a pass rush, is a moot a mute point. They just can't rush the quarterback. I am a little worried about Raheem Morris coming in. Morris likes to run a 4-3. This team usually plays a 3-4, so it's a completely different style system. But he said he's not going to change it. He's going to keep what Staley had and just kind of build on that. But when you have Jalen Ramsey, who's one of the best DBs, and you have one of the best defensive linemen on the field, you know, it's your defense should be good. You know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't draft it in terms of fantasy just because they can only go they can only go down. You know what I mean? They can't really go up. They can only go down with how good they were last year. In terms of offense, Matt Stafford is finally going to get the cred that he deserves. People are truly going to see how good this guy is and understand how much he was elevate, able to elevate that awful Detroit roster. And you hit the nail on the head. I know it sucks with Cam Akers being done, but like people are way overreacting to that. Because it's like I said all the time, you say it too. The system makes the player, not the player make the system. So as long as you have a zone running runner back there, which Daryl Henderson is, he'll be able to put up numbers. And if he can't, Xavier Jones will. So I'm not that worried about the whole running situation. Um, the offensive lineman Winthrop, like he's 41 now. He needs to stay. He needs to stay on the field, and not show his age. That would be my one concern. Uh, like we said with the 49ers, this team really doesn't have a lot of depth. If they have some injuries, like to Donald, Ramsey, Stafford, there's going to be some concern. Cooper Cup is going to be a zero factor in fantasy because Cup got his touches because he was friends with uh, Jared Goff. Goff is gone now, guys. And Stafford's not ex-college roommates with Cooper Cup, so he's not even going to look his way like Goff did. I think Woods and Higby will be his main two targets. I have this team going 13-4 and, and four and making it all the way to the Super Bowl. So we both have the Rams represent the NFC. Um, your AFC, remind me who you had again represented. 
Uh, I have the Ravens and Rams Super Bowl. Okay, I have a Browns and Rams Super Bowl crew. All right, and who do you have winning? The Rams. I, you know, right now I have the Ravens. And, I mean, but I'll say this. If Stafford wins a Super Bowl because of my man crush I have on him, I will fly my ass out to L.A. and I will go to the fucking parade. I, I mean, I, I will fucking do that. I mean, you got your Stafford Rams jersey yet? I, I'm not going to go that far. I'm sitting, like, for those who don't know, I'm in my, my, my place when Sterling and I are recording this. Furniture still hasn't been delivered. Basically, I'm looking in my room right now. All I have is my desk. In my front room, I have a BOSU ball um, and a yoga mat on the ground. And in my office area, I have my desk, like I said, and a Matt Stafford jersey autographed on the wall. That's it. I mean, my place is completely bare, and I would not... I can't bring myself to get a Matt Stafford jersey with the Rams. I just can't do it. You know, I I almost cried when he got traded, dude. That's how much of a man crush I have on this guy, as pathetic as it sounds. Um, so, Sterling, thanks a lot for coming on again. Um, always enjoy talking NFL on with you and uh, getting your thoughts on stuff. Uh Let's do this. Let's uh, say uh, four weeks after the season, like week after uh, after week four. Um, why don't we kind of touch base? Like every four weeks in the season, we can kind of touch base and kind of see where teams are, where we're right, and like kind of go over where teams are headed and everything. What do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds like a good quarter point in the season. I look forward to it. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, my friend? So find me at, on Instagram. That's the only place I'm really active at the moment. I'm looking to change that soon, but I'll let y'all know when that happens. But Silver Star Sports, it's going to be Silver Star with an underscore, and then sports. Um, Trying to get these NFL previews out. Um, I'm going to do them division by division uh, as we get closer to the NFL season. I'll release those with a couple days left. So definitely follow me there. Uh, Eric, thanks for having me as always. Always a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to talking to you a uh, quarter way through the season, my friend. It's that time of the week. Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports is coming on to talk some NASCAR. Brandon, how are you doing today, my man? Doing great. I think uh, I think we cashed out on another winner last week. Dude, that is Dinger 24-1. to 1. I will Dinger, say- Dinger, chicken dinner. No, I tried, guys. I tried. Okay. It didn't go well, but I tried. I will say this though, we were looking pretty good because we had Hamlin nineteen to one, we had Briscoe top ten at plus one fifty, and then that whole kind of shit show happened at the end of the race. What um what was your thought process of what happened? I was I'm not gonna lie, I was driving in the car, I completely missed it. So what, explain to everyone what happened. So I'll be glad to speak to that. So NASCAR has a NASCAR has a, a rule: if you run off the track, then you get a penalty. It's a stop, usually a stop and go penalty. Come to a complete stop, keep going, or drive through the pits, keep going, something. Now, Briscoe was not forced off the track. He missed the corner. They were three wide. Goes completely off track. I had Hamlin. I laid a good chunk on him as well. Laid more on him than I did Omendinger. So I was really pulling for him. Briscoe continues to go. I will jump to after the race. Briscoe said he never knew that he had a penalty. I call it bullshit. You can hear the 11 team come over the radio telling Denny, the 14 has a penalty. There's no way 
that Denny Hamlin's team knows that, and Chase Briscoe's team doesn't. Chase Briscoe chose not to slow down. I think he was ultimately pissed off that Hamlin forced it three wide, or he just didn't give him any room, and he wrecked him. Um, why Hamlin didn't punch him in the throat after the race, I don't know. I was very disappointed in Briscoe. Whether it was a penalty or not, he was there to make a move on the race, and he flat out dumped a guy. So, Briscoe, you're kind of on my shit list for a little while. I know you'll never hear me say that, but I felt like saying it anyway. It was just—it was a bad move on his part. It truly was. God, I would have loved to see a little, a little throw me down in uh, in pit lane. It was kind of funny. Like I was listening to it on satellite radio on the NASCAR station, and the guy was like, tried to interview Denny, and he's like, Denny just walked right past me. And now he's talking to Chase, and I was really hoping I was going to hear some fisticuffs over the over the radio, but unfortunately, did not. Anyway, so I messaged. I, I messaged. Uh, the girl that I know does PR for NASCAR, and I said, I don't see how Denny didn't punch him in the face, and her exact words were me either. So I think everybody expected a fight, but we, we didn't see it. Well, maybe Denny's maturing a little bit, or maybe he knows Chase would have kicked his ass. I don't know, one of the two. Um, but anyway, they are NASCAR is coming back to Michigan, my uh, home state, this week. And one of the big movers has been Kyle Busch. He opened up at plus 10, plus... No, excuse me. He opened up at ten to one. Now he's down to seven to one. But the big news is his spotter is out. Now, in terms of handicapping a race, should we put any value that in the fact that a spotter is out, or what should we think, or is it just not that big of a deal? I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, these guys go back and forth with spotters in different races. Um, yes, it's great to have the same voice in your helmet all race that you're used to throughout the year. We're talking about Kyle Busch, a man that's done this year after year after year, race after race after race. I think him being out is not a big concern. Um, He has, in the last seven races, I believe, that they've raced the 550 horsepower um, uh, motors, which they're doing this weekend, which means they're going to be full throttle, flat out the whole track. Uh, He's finished three or four times, or four, four times in the top three. So I definitely expect him to be there. I think he is a good bet, though I would not handicap him. Handicap him based off the spotter. So right now he's anywhere between seven to eight to one. Do you find value in that bet? Absolutely. Okay, I so do find value in that because right in front of him is Kyle Larson at plus two sixty, and this kind of reminds me of what it was it like four five years ago when Harvick was consistently under four to one to win a race and you just in my eyes you can't bet them unless you're going to parlay it and most sports books don't let you parlay xfinity and the nascar winner i can't lay the plus 260 with larson how about you i can't either and again guys this is the this is the um high downforce package so it's basically going to be like almost look like a daytona race to where they are going to be bumper to bumper full throttle most of the race so I don't feel this is a track that Larson can walk away or gap people on like he has been most of the season. Um, so I see it a lot tighter, um, not touching not touching Larson. If you want to and you think the man's momentum is not going to change and you want to take X amount of units and drop it all on him and not bet anybody else, by all means, do what you got to do. But I, I can't risk that. that too. It's too low of an odd. And also about 
Kyle Busch, the last six races, he's had the highest average finish. So he's coming in hot. So that's seven to one. That's very tempting. So let's go ahead. Let's put Kyle B. Let's put him on the card plus 700. Now, someone who hasn't won a race who I had three, four weeks in a row I was always on was Kevin Harvick. Harvick is trading at seven to one. Same price as Bush, struggling all year. I can't, I just can't bet him. Like, I, I, I don't think he's going to win a race this year, As my, and that pains me to say that. No, and here's the thing. If you have somebody like Reddick or Matty D win this race, and you go into Daytona, the final race next week before the playoffs, and Harvick doesn't have a win, and some unknown Chastain or whoever pulls off a random Daytona victory, which we've seen multiple times, Harvick's going to be outside looking in and not making the playoffs. So what? I'm with you. He hasn't been able to win nothing to me, leans his way as this is his kind of track. So I, I would absolutely fade him. Now, your boy Chase Elliott, he's at eight to one. You said off air how this is one of his better tracks. Do you find any value in that eight to one, or is it too similar to Kyle's seven to one? I think you're gonna have to pick. I mean, it, to me, it's it's literally do you do do you pick Chase? Do you pick Kyle? I don't think you pick them both. Um, I am going to have Chase on my card. Partially, that is my heart. I know you don't bet with your heart. But uh, he's had 10 starts there. He's averaged a a 7.7 finish. So this is truly, besides a road course, this is his best track as him personally with his history. So he will be on my card. I am going to bet both Kyle and Chase, even though I'm telling you I don't recommend it. I'm doing it. But I... I hate to sound contradicting, but I am putting both of them on my card. If you are willing to risk it, do it. But if you're trying to sprinkle elsewhere, I'd be careful grabbing both of them. I am going to pass on Chase, my friend. Nothing personal. We finally disagreed. <laughs> um, After 20-something weeks of NASCAR, we just disagreed. Please uh, mark this date down. 7-15, August 20th. Our we disagreed. Our first one ever. Um <laughs> Now Hamlin, another guy without a without a win. He's currently at nine to one. Average finish here of six point eight three. It's tempting, but again, I just I can't do it. It's like every week something happens and he just f's it up. It's kind of like this guy who was my boy Griff in uh, in college. He, bottom of the ninth, about ready to take a chick home, and he'd f it up. And that's kind of what Denny Hamlin is right now. Bottom of the ninth, about ready to run a race, and he f's it up. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Uh, right now, Denny Hamlin is the driver that, if it was baseball and it was the bottom of the ninth with bases loaded and a full count, I wouldn't want him up the bat to drive a run in because he just he can't finish a race. I know he's going to be trying to beat Larson to try and get the extra 15 bonus points for ending the season with the most points in the regular season, but uh, not touching him. Especially if you guys are thinking either Chase, either Kyle, or both of them, there's no point in taking a seven to one, an eight to one, or a six and a half to one, and then another eight to one. It's not worth the return. So now, I will pass on Hamlin. Now here's a, here's how I'm betting Alex Bowman. He's currently at twelve to one to win the race. Okay, but I'm going to the group winners. I'm going down. The group is. Kozlowski, Byron, Logano, Bowman. Kozlowski. 
Oh, you're going Kozlowski there. See, I, I was thinking Bowman. Now let's go back to the racing line. So you talked me off of that, my friend. I appreciate that, my friend. Um, now, in terms of racing lines, Kozlowski and Logano are, are 16 to 1. Blaney's right there, too, at 18 to 1. Any value in those guys at all? I'm 100% will add Blaney to my card. Um, he is a calm and peaceful racer. So when you can sit him in a track to where he's full throttle all the way out. I mean, last year he finished fourth in the Saturday Michigan race. He led the second most laps and he ran third most laps inside the top five. In the Sunday race, he started 17th. And with a great restart, he took the lead with 92 to go. Unfortunately, Brad Keselowski dumped him. And uh, he wasn't able to do it. But he was in contention to win. Blaney will absolutely be on my card with Kyle and Chase. Now, in terms of long shots, what are some long shots you are looking at? Maddie D. So Maddie's right now at 50-1. to 1. Tell us why you like Maddie. I like Maddie, and I'm going to throw in Ross Chastain in that same mix solely because these two have to get a win to get into the playoffs. Now, with that being said, Maddie D also does not have a, does not have a uh, does not have a ride next year right now. So, what better way win your way into the playoffs, battle in the playoffs? That's going to help you get opportunities for a ride next year. So I am 100% on Matty D as a long shot, guys. So As a long shot. Are we talking quarter? Quarter over you right here on Matty D? Yep. And then Ross Chastain is at 40 to 1. Now, I will tell you guys this real quick. You were talking about DraftKings, correct? Correct. If you guys happen to look at Bovada or use Bovada... Get your bet in now. Ross Chastain, 80 to 1. Maddie D, 100 to 1. Oh, wow. So I definitely, that's why it's important to have a couple different books. That way you can kind of see what everything You're, is offered. Usually books aren't that far off, and you know that. But for this to be that big of a swing for both of those guys, it's kind of shocking. Now, in terms of top 10s, let's, let's see any top 10s here that stick out. All right, so we got. I want to hit. I want. I want to hit one more. If you got a second. Yeah, go ahead. What is Tyler Reddick on yours? Thirty to one. All right, thirty-five on Bovada. That's another guy who's been running really well and just trying to gather points and is also on the bubble. So if you are doing any type of sprinkle system and you're pulling in some long shots, we've already given our really, really long shots. We've given our real high quality picks. If there was a middle of the road guy that I was just going to dabble on. It'd be Tyler Reddick at 30 or 35, depending on what book you use. Okay. All right. So right now, so is Reddick going to be on your card too? Yeah. So I've got Kyle Bush, Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, Ross Chastain, and Matty D. Wow. And, oh, let me add, sorry guys, uh, Blaney. And Blaney, yep. So... Top so it's a big card, but guys, I'm, I'm super pumped to get back on a all-left turn. I, I can't not sprinkle a good bit this week, and I'm super pumped for it. Now, top 10s. I kind of like Chastain at uh, plus 200. Chastain plus 200 for a top 10? Yeah. Yes, I do like that. So that guy, he is definitely going to be on my card. 
looking around. What about Suarez? Suarez is a guy. Let's see what Suarez is for top 20. Do we get plus money on Suarez for top 20? We do not. Yeah, Suarez is that guy. I mean, Jesus, like, it's one thing after another with him. Because of that, I can't really, you know, have him on my card. No, I can't. I can't do I can't touch that. And real quick, did you see last week how Bubba Wallace at 80-1 to 1 to finish as a top Toyota was a winner? He was the top Toyota? Top Toyota at 80-1. to 1. Blows my mind. If you guys had that, props to you because I did not see any of that coming at all. Um, no. Let's go through some head-to-heads. Uh, Logano Bowman. Go Bowman. Uh, Blaney Bell. Blaney. Truex Elliott. Elliott. Amarillo, Matty D. Matty D. Willie B. Kozlowski. Kozlowski. Larson Bush. Kyle. Kyle. Bubba Stenhouse. Stenhouse. Stenhouse is at plus 105. That's juicy. Harvick Hamlin. Uh, Hamlin all day on that one. Uh, Bush Reddick. Kyle Bush or Kurt? Kurt. I'm going Reddick. Chastain Dillon. Chastain. Group winners. We have Truex, Harvick, Elliott, Hamlin. Truex, Harvick, Elliott, Hamlin? Correct. Oh, Elliott. All day on that. Uh, next group. Kozlowski, Byron, Logano, Bowman. Kozlowski, Byron, Logano, Bowman. Kozlowski. Dylan, Chastain, Maddie D. Almarillo. What what's your what's your money on uh, Chastain or Maddie D? Two fifty Maddie D. Plus three hundred Chastain. Um, I'm gonna just say Maddie D. Guys, if you're listening to this, either flip it between Maddie D. or Chastain. Uh, Bubba Suarez Busher Stenhouse. God, that is the worst group I've ever heard. We're going to go with Busher. <laughs> See, dude, that's one of my bets right there. Busher plus 300 for that bad boy. I love that Yes, one. I do too. Um, Blaney, Kurt, Christopher, Tyler. Blaney, Kurt, Christopher, uh, Blaney. And lastly, we have Briscoe, Newman, Cluster, Eric Jones at his home track. Say that again. Briscoe, Newman, Cluster, or Eric Jones? Briscoe. My man, look at Briscoe. And Briscoe's at the juicy price of plus 250. That's going to be a tough one. Maybe I'll go that one too. So right now, my card looks like this. I'm risking one U on Kyle Busch to win seven. One U on Blaney to win 18. 1.5 1.5 U on Chastain top 10 to win three. I'm gonna go um, one U on Busher to win three for that group bet. And then in terms of that Briscoe bet, I'm either gonna go one or one and a half. I'll probably go one and a half U. But right, let's just call it one right now. So it's one, three, four. I'm looking at five and a half U's for my card. Uh, why do you run through yours, Kyle? Plus, plus 700. How many units are you going to throw on him? 
All right. So when it comes to, I'm going to sound stupid, guys, because I don't go by units. I'm going to throw, if I got to say a dollar amount, got me on the spot here. I'm going to throw 20 on Kyle. Now, I'm a small better, guys, in case none of you know. So I'm going to throw 20 on Kyle to win 145. On Chase, plus 800. Another 25 on Chase Elliott right. to win 162. Blaney plus 18. Blaney is plus, okay, he's 16 on mine. So I'm going to throw 15 on him to win 240. Tyler Reddick, I'm going to throw $10 for 350. All right, Chastain. And then, guys, this may sound like a joke, but with someone like Chastain, at least for me, at 80 to 1, I'm throwing $5 on him. Okay. And then uh, Matty D at 100 to 1 on my end, I'm going to throw another $5 on him to win 500. Okay. All right. Well, hey, his swing for the fences. Brandon, man, it's been crazy. You and I have been talking, it seems like, every day this year, man, about NASCAR. I want to thank you. Dude, thank you. This is a blast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, Hopefully, you guys are casting some winners. I will say I've been doing this for years just on my own. So this is my first time ever having a podcast with you or doing anything like this. And I'm super pumped that we've got, I think, I think we're at seven, seven all out winners so far this year. And a lot of them were, were well bets. We're juicy winners. I think the lowest one we hit was uh, Bush at 10 to 1. So, I mean, that. Agreed. You know, we're not one to chase, chase, uh, chase the chalk. We chase the home runs. Um, we're going to try to do some live stuff. This is going to come out Saturday, Sunday. You know, Brandon and I got to talk about my schedule. I'm visiting some family, nephew's birthday. So we got to, we may be doing some live stuff, guys. So be on the lookout for that. Brandon, thanks for coming on. As always, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, your handles, and everything? Off the post, Boston Sports. If you're a Boston Sports fan, if you are a racing fan, Boston Boy 83 on Instagram, twitch.tv slash Boston Boy 83. Uh, iRacing is going great. We are currently sitting first out of about 900 drivers on the truck series with four weeks to go. Uh, things are going really well. I've got a $400 race tonight that starts at 8.30, 9 o'clock. I don't know if this will be up yet by then, but if for whatever reason you guys do hear it, please tune in on twitch.tv slash bostonboy83 and uh, see if we can go win us some money tonight. Best of luck, my friend. Thanks for coming in, and uh, let's Get hot, stay hot, and keep cashing some tickets. Until next week, Let's my friend. Go. Good luck, guys. So that's it for today's show, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'd like to thank Sterling for coming on. Guys, if you are not following at Silver Star Sports on Instagram, what are you doing? Sterling covers every single sport, college football, NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, college football, you name it. He covers it. He gives you his insights, great sports takes. And he's not afraid to say something that the media won't. He will put it out there. He's predicted the last two NHL winners. Great follow, so make sure you're following him. And also, I want to thank Brandon for coming on. Every single week, there's a NASCAR race. Brandon's taking time out of his busy schedule to come on and help cash some winners. Like he said, we have given you guys huge winners. And last week was no different when we gave out Dinger at plus 2,400. So hopefully that trend continues so i'd like to thank those two guys who have took time out of their schedule to come on that was great look forward to having them on again in the future thanks for tuning in guys let's cash some tickets let's drink some beers and i'll talk to everyone next week